Today, uh, just a reminder of the two main themes that have that been in this book. The first one was that uh, Paul was telling Timothy to continue to fight the false teachers against false doctrines for the purity of the gospel, right? To fight for that. But then uh, I think the second one, which I think is actually, if I had to choose, I think would be more of the main point, was that Paul was calling Timothy to live a visible um, genuine faith that is in contrast to the faith of these false teachers, these false, um, um, and that, and that really that God, the gospel in a genuine believer, it leads to practical, visible change in the lives of those who believe. Uh, and that the church as a whole is to display that gospel. We're supposed to put it on the display for the world to see. First uh, Timothy 1.5, he, he said that the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart, a good conscience, and sincere faith. That's the aim of our charge. That's the goal that we seek. That love is just issuing forth out of us. And so starting in chapter 2, we got very practical. And, he, and, and, it, and from then on, it was like, how do we do this as a church? How do we put our faith on display uh, for the world to see? And so uh, in, in chapter 3, he started into the qualifications of an elder and pastor, and these two roles that were necessary in order to keep order and unity in the church, um, to show that the world, that there's something different in here than there is out there. Uh, we're supposed to put this on display. And so we talked about what a pastor was and what the qualifications were, the kind of man that God's looking for to lead his church, um, and how important it is to make sure we find a qualified man before we put him in, into the position as pastor to make sure he's qualified, because a lot of damage can be done if he was not qualified. So today we're going to talk about the office of deacon. And so we, start, we pick up in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8. It says, The deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And let them also be tested first. Let, then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own household well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also a great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. So let's pray before we continue. Lord God, we need you. We need you and your Holy Spirit to do a work in us this morning, to, to allow us to understand your word, to allow it to sink deep into our hearts and minds and change us, God. Because I don't have the power to do that, Lord. I have, I have no power to change a heart uh, this morning, but you do. And these are your words, and these are your people. And so I pray that you are uh, doing a mighty work in this room as we gather together to, to lift up your name and praise you. Uh, we're also here to gather, to, to, to draw near to you. And I pray that you would draw near to us, change us, uh, conform us into the image of your son, that we may better reflect your glory, Lord, as we go out into this world. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So elders and deacons, the roles are, are distinct but complementary. And we're going to see that, that in order for a church to be healthy, it needs to have proper deacons in place and proper elders in place. They're both absolutely necessary roles in the church. Um, I think too often we see in, 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 in churches, you either have deacons or, uh, or you have elders, but a lot of times you don't have deacons and elders both in place, both performing the job that God has called them to do. And so let's look at what a deacon is. Before we get into the qualifications, it's the same thing, same thing we did with the elders. Before we got into the qualifications of an elder, we kind of stepped back and said, what does an elder do? What is an elder? So today, we're going to step back for a second and say, what is a deacon? What does a deacon do? 
Um, but the, here's the weird thing. There's no job description given in, in Scripture for a deacon. For an elder, there was. There were scriptures we could go to that, you know, that said that they were, to, they were to shepherd the flock, exercising oversight over them. Um, but here, there really isn't a job description for a deacon, which makes you wonder, okay, well, how do we know then? What, do, what, what does a deacon do? And we have two clues, two clues that help us understand what a deacon does. Because I believe that there isn't an exact definition on purpose, and, and you'll see why. The first thing, the first clue we get is what the deacon, the word deacon in Greek means, the meaning of the word deacon. Because the, the word, Greek word for deacon is uh, diakonos, and it literally means servant. And when I mean literally mean servant, what I'm saying is in Greek, there isn't a word for deacon. It's just the word servant. And then, and then context tells you whether to translate it as deacon or to translate it as servant. Because sometimes I'm just talking about servant. Sometimes I'm talking about the servants of the church being deacons. So it's not a different word, though. It is the word servant. And so if, if you look at how many times the word diakonos has, is used in the Bible, it's 29 times in the New Testament. And out of all of those, it's only translated deacon three, sometimes four, depending on translation, only three or four times. The rest of the, of the, out of those 29 times, it's, it's some version of servant or minister, um, and, it, and, so it, and it's not referring to the office of deacon. And just to give you one example, and uh, I'll give you John 2, chapter, chapter 2, verse 1. This is it where Jesus is, uh, turns water into wine. It says in uh, verse 1, On the third day there was a wedding at Canaan in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. And when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to, to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. When, right there in verse 5 where it says, his mother said to the servants, that's the deacons. That's, I mean, if you were to translate a deacon, it's the same word though, the same diakonos, same exact word. Uh, so, that, so that I think is telling. That, that, that begins to give, paint a picture of what a deacon does. But let's go back uh, the, to the second thing though, which is in Acts chapter 6, which some see uh, this is the calling of the uh, seven um, where, well, let's just read it together instead of explain. I'll read it together. And um, it's a slightly different, different context here. I do want to say it's a slightly different context because these are the apostles, not elders, and it's most likely before the role of deacon was, was implemented, established. But uh, most commentators agree that this kind of established the need for the deacons and what would become the role of the deacons. Uh, and so it's found in Acts chapter 6, uh, starting in verse 1. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It's not right that we should give up preaching and the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom, whom, we'll, whom we will appoint to, to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. And they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. Um, so we see here that a problem arose, though. A problem of the, the Hellenistic Jews were, their widows were being, they felt their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution for the widows, right? That the church was taking care of these widows, and they were being neglected. Um, 
Side note, it's not part of the main, main sermon here, but I love how the, the apostles handled this. First, they didn't, they didn't make excuses. They didn't try to like, like so whether, whether it was true or not, they handled it as if it was true and just fixed the problem, right? And they fixed the problem. I love how they fixed the problem. They said, pick seven men, and based on the names, all seven of these men most likely came from those Hellenistic Jews. So they, they chose men from among those, those people so that there would be no... No, no one can argue that, that it was being handled correctly, right? Your, your own people are now doing the distribution. Uh, so I just thought that was handled very wisely. Uh, that's a good example for us. Not to make excuses, just fix the problem in a way that's above reproach. But what happens here, though, is, is tells us a great deal about the deacons. Um, because the, 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 the apostles, they had a, a, a role to do. God had called them to the preaching of the word of God uh, and, 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 to, and to prayer. And... They were willing to take care of the, the, the distribution of the widows. They were willing to do the work. But that work, uh, I guess it might have been slipping. Maybe they were making mistakes uh, unintentionally. But either way, they, they could not devote more time to that because it would take uh, the time away from what God had called them to do, the, to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And so, he, and so they, they said, you choose men that we will appoint, right? We will appoint them. That under our authority, we appoint them to this task. Um, so they're still, these, these men are under the authority and the leadership of the apostles here. Um, to free the apostles up to focus on prayer and the ministry of the word. And so this is the way I kind of understand it. I was, I was thinking about this. Um, at, at work, I have a similar situation, I think. Uh, we have, I have a manager who has the authority over our team of, of, devel- of computer programmers, developers. But he's also over multiple teams. And so he gets really busy. He doesn't have time to be constantly in contact with the, with the team. So he has like one or two meetings a week with us, sets our direction, sets our goals, checks in how things are going. Um, but because he doesn't have the time to devote to our team, uh, he, we have a lead developer. And the lead developer has no authority. If we don't like something and we complain to the lead, he has no authority to change anything. All he can do is relay the message to the manager. But he, but he meets with the, with the, lead, with the manager uh, by himself uh, uh, every week to give, to give an, a report. And he helps organize and lead the team to make sure that thing, we're meeting our goals. But he has no authority. No, no authority resides with him. All he does is help the manager because the manager has, has multiple things that he's trying to juggle. And so and, and this lead can just focus on our team and make sure we're uh, completing our goals. And I think that's what's kind of in play here, is that these, these deacons are not taking on some responsibility, some authority of the church. They are taking a, a manual task away from the elders so that they can be freed, uh, the elders are freed to continue with prayer and the preaching of the word and the ministry of the word. And so when, so when you ask the question, what do the deacons do? They serve. That's their job description. They serve. And the reason why there's no specific way they serve is because it's, it's in whatever way frees the elders and pastors up to, to, to preach and to teach and to pray uh, to the ministry, ministry that God has called them to. Elders cannot perform their job well unless there are deacons in place who are doing their job well. They're complementary roles, right? Like the, the elders cannot be in every area of the church doing the work, right? We, there needs to be other people that are trusted, that come along, that says, I can do that and free you up to, 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 to focus on your task. So it's a vital role. The, the, the deacons, they complement each other and the elders care, for, as, as the elders are caring for the spiritual health of the church, the deacons often... Uh, care for the physical needs of the church. They carry out the, the, the task to, to, to meet the physical needs, like take care of the building or the, or the finances or whatever it may be. 
Because believe me, Emmanuel, you don't want your pastors to be, spend all of their time on, on those manual tasks. You want them in, in the word. You want them in prayer over you. Uh, that's where you want them to be. Satan would love nothing more than to derail them and get them, their eyes focused on, on, on some task. While these tasks are important, I'm not saying they're not. Like I, We super appreciate our deacons who take care of the grounds, who take care of the finances. Uh, but, but the pastors and the elders are, are to focus on prayer and the ministry of the word. And you got to think about it. If if the apostles were falling prey to this, like, like the apostles were, were, were struggling to keep that, to juggle both the spiritual leadership of the church and then, and then also to carry out some of these, these physical tasks, Josh and I are not going to do any better than the apostles, right? So if the apostles were struggling, we're going to struggle mightily with this. The deacons are, are a vital role. Because uh, there's a lot of important things that go along, around here um, that I am super thankful, thankful that I'm not the one, like I don't have to, to, to address everything, you know, whether it's the, the running of our school, whether it's the constantly dealing with these broken air conditioners, whether it's tracking our finances. I mean, like a lot of that stuff's over my head anyway. I mean, like, so I, like having the deacons in place is amazing. Having qualified deacons that would say, I got this. You, you're free to go, to go, to, 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 to preach and to, and to study and to pray, and, and I'll, I'll keep you informed what's going on, but I got this. And so we see that there, the role of a deacon is not nailed down. It's not a specific thing. It's whatever's needed. It's whatever's needed. They were willing to serve in whatever fashion's needed. And so then we, we move into the qualifications of a deacon, and we'll see that they're, they're quite similar to the, the qualifications of an elder. Um, so that, because the elders had a long list of, quali- of quality traits needed, and this almost seems like a subset of those, which makes a little bit of sense. If the pastors are supposed to be ahead, saying, follow me as I follow Christ, then the, the deacons, they're, not, they're held to a standard, but it's not as high of a standard as the, as the elders of the church. So that kind of makes sense. And, I, and as we go through them, I, again, I don't want you to tune out, because everything that's listed here for the deacons is, is something that in Scripture somewhere has been said of every believer, right? So it's the same, same thing with the elders. As, as, as the elders had proved themselves mature men capable of teaching, uh, you know, they, they, they moved to, to be leading of the church. In the same way, the deacons, as, as they proven themselves trustworthy servants elsewhere, then we, they moved to be trustworthy servants in the church. So every believer, these are, these are character traits that every believer should be fighting for. And some of them are repeat from last week. So as, we, uh, as we, we'll see in verse 8, it says, Deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. So the first one there is dignified, right? And we covered this last, way, last week. It's, it's, it was also one of the qualifications of an elder, that we should all be seeking to live a life that's worthy of respect, right? We're not flippant about important matters, but we're, doing, we're carrying out everything we do in a, in a manner that's worthy of respect. It's dignified. Uh, and it's something that I often think about in parenting. I think that's super necessary in parenting. Because your children are watching. And, they, and, they, and if you're a, a hypocritical in the, in the way you live your life, they see it. Right? They see it. And, you're, and they're... they're their trust and stock in you goes down when, when, when they see that. But if you're a trustworthy, dignified person, everything you do, they, they see that too. And, 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 and they will uh, model themselves after that. So we want to be a dignified people. The second is not double-tongued. A double-tongued 
double-tongued deacon could stir up controversy very quickly, saying one thing to one person, saying another to another. Um, deacons, like the elders, need to be pursuing unity. Unity, like that is, every, every person in this church should be seeking unity, to keep the unity of the church. Um, so their speech not, must, not, must not be hypocritical, uh, but, but be trustworthy. Always meaning what they say and following through on what they say, all right? Not double-tongued. And so are you a person of your word? Are you trustworthy? When people, uh, like if you're, you're not saying, are you saying one thing to somebody and then you're different to somebody else, saying something else? Can people trust you to follow through on what you say? The third is not addicted to much wine. Now, this is slightly different than not drunkard because um, it's speaking to the addiction part. So scripture does not have, never in scripture does it say, do not drink wine. Do not drink anything alcoholic. It doesn't say that. It says, do not be addicted to wine. It says, do not be drunk, but rather be sober-minded. So we are always to be sober-minded, to have our faculties about us. And we're not to be addicted to, to, to alcohol, let alone anything, right? Paul, that we covered that last week, that Paul calls us to not, to not, he says everything's permissible, but not everything's beneficial. I will not be mastered by anything. And so we are not to be mastered by anything. Uh, but here it says not addicted to much wine. So kind of indicating that in moderation, wine is okay. Because it says not addicted to much wine. But the deacons must have a clear mind, free of addiction, that, they are, that that way they can carry out their task with dignity. Are you free from addiction this morning? Or does something have a hold on you? God has called you to be free. The fourth one here is, is not greedy for dishonest gain. With God, motives matter. And this is, a, this is another, this, another similar one to last week. Uh, the elders uh, was in the elders one too. That the, uh, the motive matters. Uh, God cares about the heart. Something, something that's, that, that isn't a sin can become a sin because you're doing it with the wrong heart, right? Uh, you can be doing the right thing with the wrong motive. And God cares about that. Our heart must be right w- with it. And so uh, are you in it for the wrong motive? Are you, are you seeking a position of leadership or, or, or in the church somewhere uh, because you want, you're, you're, you want to gain something? You want to gain the prestige? You want to gain some monetary uh, you know, compensation? What is, you, know, you might be seeking some gain in this. And then it says dishonest gain. Right? Maybe you're trying to take advantage of people. You want to be a, in a position where you can manipulate the finances or, or you can uh, have access to the, to, to the building unrestricted or whatever it may be. This is dishonest gain. Motive matters. We need to put trustworthy people in place in the church because they're going to be handling our finances. They're going to be having keys to the building. They're going to be performing services in the church, you know, dealing with children, like whatever it may be. And we need to be able to trust these individuals. And so these qualifications matter, and the motive matters. And then we see in verse 9, he says that, that we must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And Adam spoke to that earlier, the mystery of the faith, all right? Paul uses that a lot. He references the mystery of the faith as those thing, hidden things in the past that God had, had kept re- hidden, but then after Jesus, he has revealed it to us, um, including Christ's incarnation itself. And we see that in, in, in verses, and there's lots of them, but I'll just give you one example. Colossians 1.26, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of the mystery, 
which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Our faith is a mystery. It's a mystery, and it's been revealed. There's some, some parts that are, have been revealed and some still bits and pieces that are still a bit of a mystery, but it's a, it's a divine mystery that, that God has revealed through Jesus Christ, and we're to hold it. We're to hold it. And I, I really think that the, the, where the elders had to be able to teach it and defend it, the deacons must uh, be able to understand it, firmly grasp it, and uphold it, right? They must be well-grounded in the faith, uh, not easily swayed. They hold the mystery of the faith. And then in verse 9, it says, with a clear conscience. And I really think this harkens back to 1 Timothy 1, 5, where it says, the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. A genuine believer has a clear conscience before God. They're growing in their faith and knowing that every sin that they have committed has been washed by the blood of Christ. It was paid for at Calvary. God remembers it no more. He has wrapped us in his righteousness, Christ's righteousness. That divine exchange happened, the great exchange happened, where he took our sin and our punishment and he gave us his righteousness. That God looks upon us and all he sees is Christ's righteousness. We have a clear conscience before God. And then we continue to to keep that clear, clear conscience as we pursue Christ. And then in verse 10, it says, let them be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. So just like the elders, the elders uh, had three different places where you looked for like a resume to see how they were doing. How, how were they qualified? And it was their family. It was that they weren't recent converts, that there was some time there, basically your testimony. And then third was, was uh, what people, outside people thought, your reputation around town. Um, but here it says, let them be tested first. And so in the same way, we're not to be too quick to make someone a deacon. We're, we're to test them first. And I think this just happens naturally as, you, as, people, like, as, as, as people are trustworthy with a small task. And they're faithful. They show up and, and, they're, and they're faithful in the small things. And so you, you give them a, a greater task. And they show themselves faithful and trustworthy in that greater task. And, they, and then finally, you're like, you have shown yourself over time to be a trustworthy, faithful person. Would you please be a deacon? They test them first. A lot of danger, a lot of damage can be done if we're too quick to put someone into, as a deacon who's not qualified as a deacon. Whether it's damage to themselves because they, they're, they're, their character is not there. They have, maybe they have too much on their plate and you're just piling more on them and they can't handle it. And so it's damaging to them. Maybe it's damaging to the church because they mishandle the finances or they make bad decisions with the building or whatever it may be. Or maybe it's, it's a bad damage to our reputation. What, you know, like as someone walks in and they meet our deacons, oh, this is the deacon that takes charge of, our, of grounds or the deacon in charge of finance, whatever it may be. And then they see that deacon out, out somewhere in, the, in town, drunk or whatever. Well, then that damages the reputation of the church. A lot of damage can be done if we're too quick to place someone as a deacon that is not qualified. And this is one of the reasons why our church constitution says that someone must be a member for at least a year before they can hold an office like that of deacon. That way the church has time to get to know you. Hopefully see that you're trustworthy, that that you are someone that, that is faithful and can be trusted as a deacon. And so then we move on to verse 11 which is, is going to be another one of those verses that could cause some, some uh, heartache here. I, I, don't want, I, don't want, I want to seek unity at all costs. And so this verse has been debated since the beginning. 
it's, it, it, it's kind of a little bit vague. And because of that, there's four different interpretations of verse 11. I'm going, to give you, I'm going to go over every single one. If you hold one that's different than me, I'm going to tell you which one Pastor Josh and I hold at the end. And if you hold a different one, that is fine. We can have unity in this, okay? So I'm going to say that going forward, you know, right off the bat. It says in verse 11, their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderous, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. So what is this referring to? This, these wives, this, their wives likewise must be dignified. Well, the first, the first one of you I'll give you is, I think, kind of a traditional modern Baptist view. It's just kind of the, the traditional one, which is that it's another qualification of a male deacon, right? So there aren't any female deacons, and that this is referring to the wives of the male deacons, that they must be um, these things. Uh, and that, and that, and it kind of makes sense because it, all four of these, I can see where people are coming from. I really can. And it, and it makes sense because it says their wives. Most English translations say their wives, likewise. And so I can see why they would, they, would, they would say that, okay, the male deacon's wives must be like this. And so if, you're not, if you hold this view, you're not alone. It's, it's a typical Baptist one, and, and, uh, so I, and I can see where that's coming from. But the next three of them disagree with this because of the word likewise. The word likewise there, because it says the elders, and it gives a qualification, then likewise deacons, and then likewise women, the, or, or wives. And so this likewise makes it seem like there's a, whole, there's a third group. It doesn't just say their wives must be, it says likewise. So just like the elders, just like the deacons, the, these, these women uh, have, have a, a, qual, uh, a qualification need, needed. So it, it seems to be that they're set apart, these women, as a separate thing from, from the male deacons. It's not another qualification on the male deacons. It's a whole new category. That's why it has likewise. Um, the next three are, hold that a different view because of that. And so the next one I'll give you is the deacons serve with their wives, right? This is a view where the reason that they're mentioned, because if you do notice in elders, it's not mentioned as, as, a, as a qualification of an elder. The wives, the wives aren't mentioned at all with the elders. But with the deacons, they are. So it's like, why are you holding the deacons to a higher standard than you're holding the elders? And so the idea here is that the elders, they, they bear the responsibility of leadership of the church alone, not with their wives. Before God, they stand alone. They carry that burden alone. And that's why the wives aren't mentioned. And so the belief here, this, for this view, is that the, with a deacon, they, they, see, they serve as a team. That the, deacon, the husband and wife serve as a, as a team. And therefore, the wives are included as the wives must be qualified also. Because they're going to serve together as a team. Uh, and I can kind of see that. Um, I, I can see where they're getting that. Because it says, likewise. Um, and, th- and this was a view that, I, like, uh, someone like, um, uh, who was it? Pastor... The Scottish pastor. Alistair Begg holds this view. There we go. I'd just like to give you some examples of, of some people that hold these views. So Alistair Begg is, is one, as a pastor that holds that view. He, all of his deacons at his church serve with their wives, uh, and their wives are held to that standard right there. Um, so that's a view. Next one, third one, is that these, these, this women's, uh, the, uh, these women mentioned are a third category altogether. They're not deacons, but there are, wi- there are some kind of women's group. That, they're held, that also have roles and responsibilities and held to this standard. And the, way they, the reason why they believe that is for two reasons. One is that in the Greek, in the Greek there's no word for, for why, wife or husband. It's just hus- uh, man and woman, 
and then context tells you if it's talking about a husband and wife. And in, in, this, in this here, that there is no word there. It says, you know, right here it says, likewise, their wives. There is not in the Greek. We add that when we translated it. So it really just says, likewise, women. And so, and so we've translated that, likewise their, likewise, their wives. But really, it's just likewise women. Women likewise. And so that, uh, plus the likewise, which sounds like a third category, a lot of people believe that it's a whole other category. A whole other category. Not deacons, a whole other women's group that, that serves in the church and, and held to the standard. Someone that held that view was John Calvin. He held that view, right? So he would have his deacons, and then he had the women that served in the church held to the standard. Um, so that's, that's a third view. And the, the final view I'll give you is that these are deaconesses, right? Um, it says, likewise, women in the Greek. Um, and therefore, we, it just seems— And then also, the whole passage as a whole is talking about deacons. It talks about deacons, then it says, likewise, women, and it goes back to talking about deacons. And so it's kind of sandwiched in that deacons, and so it seems like it's a female deacon. Um, and the exam- there's a, examples of female deacons in Scripture, kind of. It depends on how you translate it. This is that one I told you it depends on your translation, whether they translate deacon or not. In Romans 16.1, it says, I, com- I commend to you your sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at, at uh, Century. That servant right there is, is diakonos. It's, it is the word for deacon. Uh, and so some Bible translations, the minority, translate it deacon. And then the majority can translate it servant. Um, but it's kind of odd, though, how it says the servant at the church of a century. Um, the servant at the church of, right? So that, that phrase is not used anywhere else in Scripture. And it seems to denote some special, like this is a special person in that church. It doesn't seem just like a, a average churchgoer at the church there. It, it's a servant. Like a, a, it, it seems to me that deacon would fit, a deacon of the church there. Um, that, that the, way it's set, the way it's worded makes it seem like they, she holds some kind of an office or some, some type of position there. And so people that, modern people that hold this view would be John MacArthur, John Piper. Uh, they hold this view. Uh, so they have female deacons in their church. Um, and, and they believe this because the main point of a deacon is not to hold authority, but to serve the church and to free up the elders so that they can focus on prayer and, and, and the ministry of the word. So they're not, we're not um, going against what Paul said in chapter 2 where he says that I do not permit a woman to hold, to hold uh, authority over men or to, or to teach, right? So teaching and holding authority is, is, is held for the elders and the deacons are not doing that. And so just, I just want to touch on the history of deaconesses in, 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 our, in church history. Just, just touch on it. Um, I think it's useful too. And, I, and I, don't, I don't think it's ever okay just to say, well, just because that one Christian person over there does it means it's right. But at the same time, it's good to check yourself against church history. If you're, if you, if you're holding a belief that, because we have 2,000 years now of church history, if you're believing something that nobody in the last 2,000 years of church history believes, you're in danger. That's not good. You're not, we're not inventing anything new, right? As we read this, we shouldn't be inventing anything new. We've got 2,000 years of church history. Somebody should be, have held that view in, in church history. And so with deaconesses, that's true. That we, we see uh, the word deaconess pop up in church history uh, as early as the second century. Uh, but it's only here and there. You don't get a whole lot of detail. So there's not much you can kind of like get from that. Like how many were they? What were they doing? We don't know. They, just, they just kind of mention them in passing. 
But by the fourth century and on, we do tend to get a lot of information about what deaconesses were doing. And they did seem to kind of have their own women's ministry going on. Uh, it's a, they, had, um, they would minister to women in situations where men were not welcome. Um, they, would, uh, they would give communion to women who were shut-ins. Uh, they would minister to the sick, the poor, those in prison. Uh, and then one of the big things they did is they would baptize older women because they, it, they felt that it was improper for a man to be baptizing an a adult woman. And so that was some of the stuff that, that they did. Uh, but then they kind of faded out around the 12th, uh, 12th, 12th or 13th century. They kind of faded out. And, but that's about the same time we saw the rise of the Order of the Nuns. So it seems like they kind of transitioned into, into being nuns. Um, but that's not to say that throughout church history there wasn't those that were speaking against making women deacons. That they, were, they were still there. So this has been a debate from the beginning, whether or not they should be deacons. And it's important to, to state that it wasn't that they were saying the women shouldn't serve, only whether or not they should be given the title of deacon, right? That's, women serving was not in the question. Not, 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 not the question. Obviously, women should be serving. It was just whether or not they should be holding that office, the, the title of deacon. So, where did Pastor Josh and I fall on this? Well, we, we believe the last view, that a woman can be a deacon, but only with a proper understanding of what an elder and a deacon are. Uh, in many churches, deacons function as elders, they're given authority, they, they preach and, and teach, they are very much functioning as elders, and there's no distinction between deacons and elders. And in that case, I would, we would both say no. If you're, if you're in a church like that, then, then no, women shouldn't be deacons. But it was a, with a proper elders and proper deacons in place, where the deacons are, 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 have, aren't holding authority, but they are there to serve the, the, the elders in ways that, that free up the elders to focus. They focus on prayer and the, and the ministry of the word. In those situations, we feel that, that, that we are not violating Paul's mandate that a woman should not preach, um, hold authority, or to teach, right? And so therefore, they're, they're, they're just servants, right? So we're asking women to serve. Why, why not give them the title of servant? Because that's what the title that a deacon means. But here's the thing. Pastor Josh and myself care far more about the unity of the church than we do about pushing deaconesses, right? So that's, that, that's what we believe, but we're not, we're not, we care far more about the, 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 the unity, the unity of our church. And so whatever way the church decides to implement it, it's most important that we have unity around, uh, because this has been a debate from, since the very beginning, and we're not going to solve it like 100% solve this debate. So we just need to pick one of those four interpretations uh, as a church and just continue with that um, in unity. So I want to go back, though, and actually look at those qualifications of a female, um, whether it's the wives of, of, of a male deacon or whether it's the female deacons or whether it's a whole other group of women. Every woman should still be seeking these qualifications. Uh, it says their wives must, uh, must be dignified, not slanderous, sober-minded, faithful in all things. And there again, we see dignified. That what they do, they carry out uh, what they do in a way that's worthy of respect, right? They're not slanderous, right? They're not gossip, spreading rumors, speaking ill of someone that they don't like. Uh, that can shatter the unity faster than anything else, right? If we go around uh, being slanderers. Sober-minded, right? There, that, that, that was the, the elders were, were told to be sober-minded, be watchful, vigilant, clear, clear-headed, right? We're focused. God doesn't want us preoccupied with this world, but sober-minded and focused, faithful in all things. This is someone who's dependable and trustworthy um, in all that you do. 
So, women, how are you doing this morning? When you look at those, those four qualities right there, how do, you, how do you line up? Do you see yourself in that picture that Paul's painting? Or do you see one of those as a glaring hole in your, in your, uh, your walk that you need to work on? But then we move on to verse 12, where it seems to give, Paul gives male-specific instructions. The way I, I understand this is really that verse 8 through 10 are general qualifications of an elder, I mean deacon. Then, then in verse 11, he gives a specific word to uh, women. And then in verse 12, he gives a specific word to, to, to uh, men. That's the way I, I, I see it, but if, if you see it other, other way, that's fine. Um, we can have unity in this. So in verse 12, it says, Let the deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. Men must be doing a good job at home before they take on additional responsibilities. Uh, It's not good to try to be a servant in the church if you're not serving at home. And this just makes sense. If If you see someone swimming that's struggling to swim... Right? Like, I don't know if you've ever seen someone who's learning to swim. They can barely swim. They, like, they're, like, and they, they're like barely keeping their head above water. Right? And it almost looks like they're drowning. Every now and then I see a kid, and I'm like, oh my gosh, is he drowning? And I'm like, no, that's, he's just, that's, that's him swimming. He can barely swim. You don't walk over to that person and be like, oh man, you're struggling to swim. Here, hold my baby. Right? You don't do that. So it, it's the same way with, with men in, here in the church. If you see a man whose house is, is, is in a hard place, whether their marriage is, is struggling, whether they're in a financial hardship, maybe their children are, are, are in a troubled uh, spot, uh, whatever it may be, maybe they got so much on their plate that they keep dropping the ball, you don't talk to them and be like, oh man, that sounds really, really rough. Would you like to manage our finances at the church? Like you just don't do that. The, the, when things are going well at home, then we can step out and say, okay, like I see you got it together at home. Would you be able to also help us out here at the church? Because at home, you know, men, like, the home is your priority, right? How's your marriage? Is it going well? Are you pursuing your wife? How are your children? Do they respect you? Are you, are you leading them in the word? Are, are, you, are you fostering that relationship? Because that's your first priority. Start there. And so that these, this is the end of the qualifications. And I wanted to point out that no one's perfect. When, if we wait to find someone who has got this perfectly, perfectly down, we will be out without a deacon indefinitely. Right? No one's going to, like, we're not perfect. We're not going to find someone who's got this 100%. But hopefully they're doing okay. Right? They're, they're, they're doing okay. And so in verse 13, I think we kind of get to, to see the reasons for the quali- these qualifications a little bit. It says, for, the, for those who serve well as deacons, they gain a good standing for themselves and also a great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Serve well. For those who serve well. And I think that's the point. Paul wants deacons that serve well, and they can't do it if they're not qualified. And that's why these qualifications are here. We want deacons to do well. I often, I often see churches burning out their, their, their members. They, they put so much on their members that it burns them out. I, I, I've been to churches that, that their whole leadership team now ended up divorced, alcoholics. I mean, like, because they put so much on them that they broke. And, and that's not what we want, 
right? We want, we want to, to, uh, healthy uh, deacons that serve well. That's our goal. That's Paul's goal. And that's why these qualifications are here. And, and, we, and we go through phases. Maybe you're in a spot where you're, you are doing quite well in all these, all these areas. And so you take on the, the responsibility of a deacon. And then after a year or two, things are getting tough at home. And so maybe you step down as deacon for a little while. There's no, that, there's no harm in that. In fact, I would say that that is, that is praiseworthy, right? To, t- to take a step back and then focus on your family, to, make sh- to, to refocus on your main priority and make sure everything's shored up at home before you step back out to, to take on more responsibility again. I think it's a praiseworthy thing. So we want to set up our deacons for success. And he says that those who serve well gain two things. First is a good standing. It's a position of honor. We appreciate our deacons. I, I do. I really appreciate our deacons and the work that they do. The, like, I just think about all of the progress that we've made on this building, bringing this building back to life. If we didn't have qualified men who have all chipping in, there's no way it would have got done. Uh, and, I, and I really appreciate that. I think of all the, all the overhaul of the finances and where we are financially, you know, like that has been a long process that multiple people have worked with. And I just love where we are now. Like the, the, the accountability and, and, um, that we've got in place. I love it. Like we've gotten, we, we, I can see all these different areas where God has grown our church. And it's not only because of, of, of preaching. It's because people were willing to do the work. And so they earn a good standing. We appreciate them. But I think that's also another reason why they must be qualified. Because someone who walks into our church and meets our deacons, the, uh, people know that that's a, that's a position of, of, you know, like, of honor. Like you've, uh, that, that, that we, we, we affirm that this person is a, is, a, is a mature Christian in our church. And so if, if someone comes in and meets our deacons and, like I said, goes out and finds out that they're swindling people and taking advantage of people or whatever it may be, that hurts the reputation of our church. But the second thing that they gain is a great confidence in the faith. And I think that this is, is when you serve the Lord, you get to witness God at work in people's lives, and it strengthens your faith. I know that personally, I, the, I, the times that I have grown the most in my life, in my walk with God, is when I have stepped out into areas uh, of service. You know, like the first, the first big step for me was, was stepping out and, and leading the, the youth group uh, in, when I was in college. I grew a lot in that. Um, and then we started going on missions trips, and I, I grew a ton on missions trips. Um, and then I became a small group leader, and, I, and that, that was, I really stretched me there, you know, getting in, involved in small groups and leading small groups. Stepping out in these areas of service, and it doesn't, there's just examples, it could be anywhere, whether you're in nursery, whether you're in finances, whether you're uh, leading worship, helping with worship, whatever way you, way you serve, uh, through service, I really think was where our, our faith grows. Uh, maybe it's outreach and serving out there as we outreach into the community. Are you serving well? Because as you serve, it strengthens our faith. You gain, gain a confidence. And so we finished the, the verses. But how do we make this practical this morning? I'd like to make this practical by making the argument that we're all called to be deacons. And here's why. John 12, 25 says, Whoever loves his life, this is Jesus, 
Whoever loves his life will lose it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. When he says, there will my servant be also, that's the word diakonos, the word for deacon. It's the word for deacon. Deacons are just servants, and we're called first to be the servant of Christ. Every one of us, as we give our, our, our life to Christ, ask him to forgive us of our sins and give, make him Lord and Savior in our life, we become his deacons, his servants. We start there. All of us should be deacons of Jesus. And then next, next we see that we're, we're called to be deacons of each other. It says Mark, in Mark 9, 35, Jesus sat down and called the 12 and he said to them, if anyone would be the first he must be last of all and servant of all. Jesus says, in, in my upside-down kingdom, those who seek to be first are going to be last. But those who are last will be first. So if you want to be first in my kingdom, be the servant of all. And that servant is diakonos, the deacon of all. You are the servant of all. Are you serving others? Are you putting their needs above yours? Galatians 5.13 says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. God has set us free. But do not use your freedom to indulge your flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. And that serve is just the, is the verb form of the noun diakonos. Serve one another. Philippians 2.3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not only look to his own interest, but also the interest of others. We're to humble ourselves and serve one another. Deacons of one another. And then, as you started off as a servant of Christ, and then you started serving others, and you've done well, and people see it, then you can be servant of the church. So that's the takeaways this morning. Deacon means servant. There's no job description because you serve wherever is needed. Whatever is needed, I'm, I'll do it. That's a deacon. But it's important that we install qualified deacons in order to protect, protect the deacon uh, or, and, and the deacon and deacon's family or the, or the church itself or the reputation of the church. It's important to have qualified deacons in place. But the role of a deacon is vitally important. It's vitally important. Josh and I are drawn to deacon work. Like, it's just, it, we are. Like, we will find ourselves doing deacon work. Um, but you want, our, you want your pastors focused on the prayer and the, and the ministry of the word. And so we, we need more deacons, not less. We need more deacons. Fourth is that we need to fight to maintain unity at all times. So whether you see something different in this passage than me, we can have unity. We can have love for one another and, just, and, and, and hold that unity of the family of God even in our differences over this. This is not the core of the gospel here. But all of us should be servants, right? The servant of Christ, the servant of each other, all seeking to serve. And that's going to put our faith on display for the world to see, which has been Timothy's, I mean, Paul's, one of Paul's main points to Timothy, he keeps coming back to it, what other people see here right? When we're, when we're doing this correctly, it's going to look different than it does out there. Our, the genuineness of our faith will be on display for all to see. So let's pray.
my God. I pray that you bring us unity. I'm thankful for the unity that we have, Lord. Like, I, I genuinely believe this is the most unified church I've ever been in. But I pray that you would, you would guard that unity, help us to maintain that unity, and even grow it even stronger. That these are my brothers and sisters in Christ, that we'd be willing to suffer for one another and bear one another's burdens. Um, and this morning I pray that we would all learn to serve better. No matter where we are, whether we're uh, a, new, a new believer and we need to f- learn how to serve Christ, uh, whether we're, we're a maturing believer and we need to learn how to serve one another, or, or, or we're further along and we get to be deacons, uh, servants of the church. I pray, Lord, that in whatever area we are, wherever we are in our walk, that we would be learning to serve better. And that you would help that put the genuineness of our faith on display for the world to see. And that you would continue to grow your church here at Emmanuel. You'd continue to grow your kingdom here in Clarksburg. And that we could be continually able to look back and just see your hand at work and praise your name because of all that you've done. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me as we close our service with the doxology.